0: Please turn with me to the Book of Revelation, Revelation chapter two, verse eighteen. Revelation two eighteen, the Church of Thyatira. Revelation chapter two, verse eighteen, the fourth church in the Book of Revelation. If you have that. Say praise the Lord. And unto the angel, of course, this is the messenger. Because you don't give a spiritual creature a letter. You give a messenger that's the pastor over that particular church. So when it says angel there. It simply means the messenger of the church. Or the, the pastor, the set man over that particular house. And under the angel of the church in Thy tire means continual sacrifice. Continual sacrifice. Already we have a key to understand what this church means okay by its name continual sacrifice okay so he says to write this church thy tower these things saith the son of god very unusual the focus is on the deity of jesus that he is god the son of god so that's another key to understanding what's going on in this church who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach, and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed, Unto idols. So again there's keys there. About this church's problem. I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And she repented not. Behold I will cast her into a bed. And them that commit adultery with her. Into great tribulation. Except they repent. Of their deeds. And I will kill her children. With death. And all the churches. Shall know that I am he. Say, all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. But that which you have already, hold fast till I come. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. End of what? Well, there's the end of the age, ultimately. We'll get to that in a minute. To him will I give power over the Gentiles, the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. Even as I received of my Father, now will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you right now, Lord, for your awesome word, God. I sense, Lord Jesus, the liberty, God, to bring it and to declare it to this house. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it. Bless your people today that have come and gathered to hear the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Now, before we get into this particular church in Revelation, let me read some scriptures to you. Go to Matthew 13. Okay, there are seven churches. There are seven kingdom parables. We're looking at the fourth church. Now, we're going to read about the fourth parable. And I need everybody to get your Bibles open. If you need a Bible, please lift your hand. Somebody will get you one. Because I need you to follow along with this. They're very important. Okay? All right. Fourth church. Fourth kingdom parable in Matthew 13, verse 33. It says, And another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. And that's the end of the parable. One verse. Okay? And it parallels the church of Thyatira, the fourth church. Go to Genesis 1. Look at the fourth day of creation. Genesis 1, 14. Well, let me make sure I got the right place here. Yeah, okay. Verse 14, Genesis 1. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule. Say rule. To rule the day. And the lesser light to rule the night. Say rule. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And to rule. Say rule. Over the day, over the night. And to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Okay, do you see that? All right. Fourth day is when we see the lights appearing. We see two great lights are given by God to rule. One to rule by day, one to rule by night. The focus is rulers. Okay. Deuteronomy 16. The feast of the Lord. Deuteronomy 16, verse 16. And I'm doing all this because when I start teaching you on that fourth church, uh, I'm not going to go back to these scriptures. So you'll understand what I'm doing here. There are seven feasts also. Okay? Seven churches, seven kingdom parables, seven days of creation, seven feasts. Three of them are the primary feast. Deuteronomy 16. 16 says this three times in a year shall all thy meals appear before the lord thy god in the place which he shall choose in the feast of unleavened bread that's connected with passover and in the feast of weeks that's pentecost and in the feast of tabernacles feast of tabernacles they shall not appear before the lord empty so the first feast is what unleavened bread or Connected to Passover. There are seven total feasts. Leviticus 23 will tell you that. Now, go please to 1 Kings 16. Old Testament history is laid out in these seven churches. There are seven uh, historical periods in the Old Testament. And we are now in the kingdom or king's time in this church of Thyatira. It puts us in the time of the king's. So first Kings sixteen. I mean, yeah, first Kings sixteen. Please turn there. Now once I get going here, you need all this because you're not going to know anything I'm telling you if you don't have these scriptures. First Kings sixteen, sixteen. Watch this. Okay. 1 Kings let me find it it's about Jezebel Is it 31? Yeah yeah, it's 31, I'm sorry. Okay, 1 Kings 16:31. It came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat that he took to wife Jezebel the daughter of Ethbaal king of the zidonians and went and served baal and worshipped him okay so the king of israel took a woman by the name of jezebel who is a worshiper of baal she's a zidonian princess the bible says and went and served who baal and worshipped him what is happening here is we have a mixture now The king of Israel is now going to mix the worship of God with the worship of Baal. Okay? Verse 32. He reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. So he literally built a house for that false god. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Got it? Okay, so Jezebel, king Ahab, married her. She is a priestess of Baal, and he began to worship Baal, and mix the worship of God with the worship of Baal. Now, go to Genesis 10, and it all starts in Genesis 10 as far as false religious systems are concerned. Genesis 10, the Bible says in verse 10, uh, verse 9, let's back up. Let me find the verse. Okay, verse 8. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, or literally against the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, Nimrod, when, I, when we read about Baal worship, we're talking about Nimrod worship. Because Baal is just another name for Nimrod. Okay. So we have this man in the earth named Nimrod. He is against the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was in where? Babel. Which was in where? Babylon. And Erech and Akkad and Calneh in the land of Shinar. That's Babylon. Out of that land went forth Asher and builded Nineveh. The habitation of the sun. Nineveh means habitation of the sun. And the city Rehaboth and Kala. okay so now you're familiar with nimrod right he is mighty in the earth he's a he's a powerful ruler he's against god his kingdom is located in babylon okay genesis 11. the whole whole earth was of one language and one speech now remember um this is after the flood about two three hundred years after the flood it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of shinar they dwelt there they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, burn them, with, burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, let us be scattered upon, lest we be scattered abroad, upon the face of the whole earth. So these men, under the leadership of Nimrod, are building a tower. And this tower is so that they can reach to the heavens. Okay? The Bible says, now watch this. The Lord, ga- the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men building. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from him which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down therefore and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel. Because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad from the face of all the earth. So what we have here. What is happening very early. About two to three hundred years after the flood. Is a man. Who is trying to establish a one world government. Establish a one world religious system. And a one world economy. So it's a picture of the last days. where We have the antichrist. One world government, a one world economy, and a one world religious system called Mystery Babylon. She's riding on the back of that beast. And so this is the roots of all that's going to take place in the future. Genesis and Revelation go together. Genesis is the seed. Revelation is the fulfillment of it. Okay? All right. So now do you understand who or what Babel is, what the Tower of Babel is, that was the center of their worship? There was a man by the name of Nimrod. He is the first type of Antichrist. He's the world government, world leader. He had a wife named Semiramis, who had a son named Tammuz. Semiramis claimed that Tammuz was the reincarnated Nimrod who had died, who had been slain by a wild boar. Okay? So Nimrod had a wife named Semiramis, who had a son named Tammuz. Nimrod is killed. Tammuz is born. And to cover up her whoredoms, okay, she had this child by harlotry. To cover it up, she said that it was Nimrod, the father, come back in the son, reincarnated in the son. And his name was Tammuz. Do you understand that? Very important. Okay. So Jezebel, when she comes in history is a woman who is a priestess of Nimrod. She's a priestess of Nimrod, Samaramus, and Tammuz, the satanic trinity. Okay? She's involved in that worship. And then Ahab gets involved in it. He marries her and mixes the worship of God with the false worship of Baal, which started in the days of Nimrod, back of the Tower of Babel. Does that make sense to you? Okay it's still with us today now let me show you another scripture jeremiah 44 jeremiah 44 of course god came down there and confounded their language and split all that up jeremiah 44 in the prophet jeremiah's day i'm giving these scriptures for a reason because i A lot of the things I'm saying, I I know some of you are new and have no idea what I'm talking about. So I'm giving the scripture so you'll know. Jeremiah 44. Okay, here we go. Let's start with verse 17. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. The queen of heaven is none other than Nimrod's wife. When you talk about the queen of heaven, you are talking about Nimrod's wife or Samoramus. So they are burning incense unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done. So they have a, a mass that is associated with her worship. They burn incense unto the queen of heaven. They pour out drink offerings unto her. It's a non-bloody sacrifice. As we have done. And we and our fathers, our kings, our princes in the city of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. They said as long as we would offer incense to the queen of heaven. And offering these drink offerings to her, we were blessed. But since we left off, so you can see the mixture of bell worship in God's people or in God's congregation. And they're very confused because they say that this is a blessing to them. Verse 18, but since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine and when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her? Cakes to worship her. Say with me, cakes to worship her. Okay, so we've got, a, we got an offering here. We've got a non-bloody offering here. We have a bread offering, a meal offering. Catch it. A meal offering and a drink offering. Do you get it? Hold on to that, please. You need all this. Uh, they pour out drink offerings unto her without our men. Then Jeremiah sent unto them all the people to the men and to the women and to all the people which had given him that answer, saying, The incense that you burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, ye and your fathers, your kings, your princes, and people of the land, did not the Lord remember them and came it not in his, into his mind so that the Lord could no longer bear because of the evil of your doings? And because of the abominations which you have committed so he called the offering of these drink offerings and this these cake offerings to the queen of heaven as an abomin they were an abomination to god okay therefore is your land a desolation and an astonishment and a curse without an inhabitant at this day so they were worshiping the queen of heaven offering her a non-bloody sacrifice or a mass Go to Ezekiel chapter 8. Prophet Ezekiel. Jeremiah is a pre-exile prophet. Ezekiel is an exile prophet. He's a prophet that went into captivity with them. Ezekiel chapter 8. Now I'm going to read to you about. I read to you about the woman. The queen of heaven. Now I'm going to read to you about the son of this woman. And also the father or Nimrod. The husband of the woman and the so-called father of Tammuz, or the son reincarnated. Ezekiel chapter 8. All right, so these are the problems they were having in the days of the prophets. Ezekiel 8, let's start there in verse 5. Then said unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now the, the way toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes the way toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. He said, furthermore unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary. This is why he left them. But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt seek greater abominations. All right, Amen. He brought me to the door of the court. When I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, the door. He said unto me, go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do. So I went in and saw and behold, every form of creeping thing, an abominable beast. This is Ezekiel 8.10. Please follow along. And all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. Ezekiel 8 verse 11, And there stood before the seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel, and in the midst of them stood Jezaniah the son of Shephan, with every man his censer in his hand. And a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imagery. For they say, The Lord seeth us not, the Lord hath forsaken the earth. He said also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. Then he brought me to the door, the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. Behold, there were there set women weeping for Tammuz. That's called the season of Lent. The season of Lent is when they weep for Tammuz, the slain of Tammuz, for forty days prior to his so-called resurrection from the dead on Ishtar Sunday they claim that Tammuz rose from the dead on Ishtar Sunday Ishtar Sunday and uh, the, the time before that's called Lent that's where they put the ashes that's Ash Wednesday and that's connected with Tammuz the worship of Tammuz the weeping of Tammuz for Tammuz and so that's what they were doing way back in the days of Ezekiel They still do it today, but they call it Jesus. So we have the mixture of the worship of God with the mixture of the worship uh, 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 with the church today, just like as these days. So we've got the women weeping for Tammuz. Then he said in verse 16, uh, let me make sure, verse 15, then said unto me, hast thou seen this, O son of man, turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. He brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house and behold at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch of the altar were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord. They've turned their back on God. And their faces toward the east and they worship the sun toward the east. To worship the sun, sun worship is Nimrod worship. It is Baal worship. So now they're worshiping the father. Nimrod. Okay, you got it? They're worshiping the sun toward these. Then he said, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit? Them? Now, catch this. We've, we've already seen the offering of a meal offering to the queen of heaven with a drink offering. Listen to these very key things. Now we see these men worshiping the heavenly bodies. The sun. We see women weeping for camus and we see jeremiah them offering these offerings to the queen of heaven okay so nimrod his wife and her son and the son's supposed to be reincarnated nimrod are y'all with me up to this point so now they are worshiping these false deities who are called Baal, who are called it's sun worship it's Baal worship he's known as the god of a thousand names so any false doctrine any false religion that's in the world today is rooted in way back in genesis 10 and 11 okay what we need to see though is that that bell worship came into the church it no longer stayed on the outside it came right into israel it came right into the house of god and that's what god is showing ezekiel the prophet and jeremiah okay and guess what as you know it came into the church of our day so are you clear so far up to this point about what I'm talking about now? Now in history, when you talk about how this system got into the church, very key in, in, uh, people, Simon Magus, A.D. 45, went to Rome. He was a bell priest. And the Roman church embraced his teaching, okay? And I say the Roman church later in history, when it became the Roman church, embraced Simon Magus or Simon Pator's teaching. Not the apostle Peter, but Simon Magus of Acts chapter 8. Another key figure in history, Constantine. Constantine, 325 AD. Constantine was the emperor of Rome who made Christianity the state religion of Rome. He was also a worshiper of Baal. Are you here? A worshiper of the sun, a worshiper of Nimrod. He made, come on, Christianity, the state religion, but he brought in his pagan belief and mixed it. 325 AD. Also, including that, that satanic trinity. That, the false trinity. Okay, you hear with me? So that when you look at the father, Baal, you look at the son, Tammuz, and you look at the woman, Samaramus, you have the father, it's a counterfeit to God. You have the son, Tammuz, is a counterfeit to the true Messiah, Jesus. And you have Samaramus, the mother, is a counterfeit to the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. So it's a false trinity. Okay? Are you with me up to this point? And Constantine was a worshiper of Baal, so he brought in the doctrine of the Trinity. They started baptizing the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, at that time, 325 A.D. But it wasn't the The first time we see these false doctrines. These things go all the way back to Genesis. Now. When Jesus talks to the church of Thyatira. Then a continual sacrifice. This is exactly what this false system does. It offers a continual sacrifice. And I'll explain that to you as we go through these things. Okay. When I say Baal worship. You understand that we're talking about mystery Babylon in the New Testament. Revelation 17, the Bible says there's a woman riding on the back of a scarlet, colored beast. Her name is called Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. So to understand who she is then, I've got to go all the way back to Genesis 10 and 11, which I have just done. And I've got to give you a little history here about the false worship that came into God's people. Okay? And what they were doing and how they did it. Because it is the Mystery Babylon, the New Testament. Now... When Jesus began to speak to these churches, these seven churches, He talked to them about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans means to conquer the people. That's another name for Nimrod. Balaam means to conquer the people. Another name for Nimrod. So what the Lord does is, and you need to see this, as you go through Revelation and you look at these churches, He talks about the same false religion over and over and over. He calls it in one place, Nicolaitans. He calls it in another place, Balaam. Another place, he calls it Jezebel. But it's all talking about the same false religious system. With different names. And, you know, because when you talk about this religious system, you're talking about, we could, we could talk about everything. Hinduism, Buddhism. And I've been to Taiwan. I've seen that big, those big Buddha statues. Those big Buddhas, that's Nimrod. They worship Nimrod. So all false religious systems come from Nimrod. He just got a bunch of names. And so does uh, the son, Tammuz, have a bunch of names. He's known as Cupid. And the woman is known by a bunch of different names. Semiramis and Isis, etc., etc. Depends on what part of the world you're in as to what they call them. But it is a counterfeit system. It is the devil trying to set up a counterfeit kingdom to the kingdom of God. It's the devil trying to set up a counterfeit Christianity in place of true Christianity. Praise God. So when we look at the church of and we talk about a continual sacrifice. We're talking about a system of religion. That has mixed the true worship of God with the tr- with the worship of Baal. Okay? I've already given you a lot of uh, history about Simon Magus. Now I'm going to go over here into the thigh tower. And I'm going to talk to you about a church system that's in the world today. And I'm going to show you that they are the fulfillment of Babylon. Okay? So what I'm going to do here to save time instead of just try to remember a lot of things. I'm going to go through some very key points to you so you'll understand that there is a church system in the world today that has the characteristics of Baal in it. They have a continual sacrifice. Number one, Peter, they claim that Peter has been given the keys and I'm not talking about the Apostle Peter. That Rome, the Roman church recognizes a Peter that has keys. But the keys that this Peter has is not the keys that Jesus gave to Simon Peter. And the keys of Peter are not even the keys of the apostle Peter. They are the keys of one Simon Pator, Simon Magus, a false priest that the apostles had to deal with in their day. When you say that, you know, you talk about the keys, the Pope has keys or whatever, and and the Roman church has the keys from Peter. These are the keys of Janus and Sibyl. When you say Janus, that's just another name for Nimrod. When you say Sibyl, that's just another name for his wife. Okay, are you with me at this point? The keys, when a person has those keys, they are the successor to Janus and Sibyl successors pagan gods and goddesses and the cardinals have are the the word cardinal cardo means a hinge the pope is supposed to be the door to heaven the cardinals are the pope's helpers they are the hinge upon which the door swings okay so the church Roman claims to have the keys of heaven. The Pope claims to have the keys of heaven. He claims to be the door to heaven. And the cardinals are the hinges upon which the door swings. Okay, you with me at this point? And so when it talks about, they, when they believe they have the keys, they are the successors of Baal worship. Do you understand? They are the successors of Nimrod and his wife they are a babylonian priesthood okay now i'm going to prove it to you this book get your head up look up at me don't put your head down on the floor get your head up and look up at me you need to look at this listen to this this is power it's very you need this this two babylons by alexander hislop i'm going to read something to you okay he exposes the papal worship and he proves it to be the worship of nimrod and his wife okay if you can't afford this book go on the internet type up philologos.com it'll bring you up to a a site where you can read the whole book for free get informed Watch this. Now, if you think I'm, I'm strong, I am. Now watch. I am going to first, I'm not going to deal with the, the, the non-bloody sacrifice that they commit, but I'm going to read to you about the keys, okay? Very quickly. The keys that the Pope bore were the keys of a Peter, well known to the pagans initiated in the Chaldean Mysteries. That Peter, the apostle, was ever bishop of Rome, has been proved again and again to be an errant fable. The apostle Peter was never the bishop to Rome. It's a fable. But they claim to have the keys of Peter. Okay, so whose keys do they have? Well, he goes on, he talks about uh, the occasion of his visiting, finding Simon Magus there in Rome. They claim that Peter went over to Rome and that they found Simon Magus there and that Peter the apostle defeated that man, okay, which is, it's, it's false, okay. Peter never went to Rome. He was never the bishop of Rome. He never gave the keys to the church in Rome, all right. But there was a Simon that was in Rome and a Peter that had the keys. Watch this. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm not going to read all this to you, but okay. It can be shown to be by no means doubtful that before the Christian era and downwards, there was a Peter at Rome who occupied the highest place in pagan priesthood. There was a Peter in Rome who occupied the highest place in the pagan priesthood. The priest who explained the mysteries to the initiated was sometimes called a Greek term, the Eriophant, but in primitive Chaldea, the real language of the mysteries, his title, as pronounced without the points, was Peter. You get it? He's the one that these Peters are the one who explained these Babylonian mysteries. Which means the interpreter. Peter means the interpreter. As the revealer of that which was hidden, nothing was more natural than that. While opening up the esoteric doctrine of the mysteries, he should be decorated with the keys of the two divinities whose mysteries he unfolded. Thus we may see how the keys of Janus and Sibyl would come to be known as the keys of Peter, the interpreter of the mysteries. So the keys that the Pope has is the keys... He claims from Peter, but Peter was an interpreter of these mysteries. Simon Magus. And the keys that he has are the keys of the two false divinities, Nimrod and his wife. He is a Babylonian priest. The Pope is a Babylonian priest. Okay, you hear? Yea, we have the strongest evidence that in Countries far removed from one another and far distant from Rome, these keys were known by the initiated pagans not merely as the keys of Peter, but as, as the keys of Peter identified with Rome. So I'm trying to show you that there's the true keys of the kingdom of God and there's the false keys. See, we have a counterfeit here, a counterfeit Christendom, a counterfeit setting up of another kingdom, a counterfeit kingdom of God that runs side by side in the earth with god's truth okay you getting it all right now when i get to this to this bloody non-bloody sacrifice i'll read something else to you okay so there you go you can you can get that whole thing read that whole thing you'll be a theologian on on babylonianism so when we talk about the keys of peter then we're talking about the keys of the one who interprets the mystery of babylonianism And that's the keys that the Pope has. And they are the keys to two false divinities, Nimrod and Samarimus, his wife, or in that day called Janice and Sybil. Okay? They claim that the only way to get to heaven is through their system of religion. That's why so many people are afraid to get out of Catholicism. Because for them to get out of Catholicism, they feel they're going straight to hell. Well, to be a part of Catholicism means you're a part of a false religious system and i'm gonna look in the cameras and you better get out of it you can't stay in it so that's the keys but they're the keys of pagan deities that the pope has now let me talk to you about the rosary the rosary in the uh let me give the Chalde language the rosary literally means let me get this It means ro, thought, and share, director, share, thought, director. So the rosary is a thought director. Okay, have y'all ever heard of the rosary of the sacred heart? We're going to talk to you in a minute about that. But the rosary originally was used by Brahmins of Hinduism and Buddhist faith. Buddhist faith. Nimrod. Buddha is another name for Nimrod. Uh, The lamas use the rosary. You will see it sometimes. If you you see something on television, you'll see these Lama, these Tibetan monks, etc. And they're counting their beads. That's a rosary. That's a thought director. Okay? And so there's a system, a religion system in the world today that has a rosary. And so it's connected to Buddha. It's connected to Babylonianism. It's connected to Nimrod. It's a thought director. All right? So I got it so far. Now, uh, the Rosary of the Sacred Heart. How many of y'all have ever seen the, the Rosary of the Sacred Heart or seen the Sacred Heart? Some of you are familiar with that. You go knock on some people's door, and they got a big old picture, you know, of so-called Mary. And she's got this, this rosary bead with a Sacred Heart on it. And, and in the... And in that heart, there's a picture of Jesus. And he's flaming, you know. Well, that's not Jesus. Okay. When you talk about the sacred heart, the heart is the child of the mother. The heart is Tammuz. Okay. You with me here? The heart is Tammuz, the child of the mother or the queen of heaven. As you know... Samarimus claimed that the child that she had, Tammuz, was Nimrod reincarnated. And so if he's Nimrod reincarnated, Nimrod claims to be the son, S-U-N. So the heart is the child of the mother. And we see the heart on fire. Because this is supposed to depict the reincarnated son, Tammuz. Who is the the father or the son? Okay, the reincarnated father or reincarnated sun. That's why it's on fire like that. Are you with me up to this point? The son is supposed to be the born again father. The rosary and this sacred heart, are devoted to sun worship. It's devoted to sun worship. Falsely called Jesus. Falsely called Jesus. It is Hinduism, it's Buddhism. Paganism. Okay? So if you somebody somebody that's got a rosary, whatever, they're following Nimrod. They're getting their thoughts directed. From a pagan deity, okay. Now I know I'm taking my time, and I intend to, because you've got. I need to get this to you. The candles they light in their service are in honor of and worship to the sun god, who they claim to be the light of the world. So that out of all these candles, y'all ever been in a service? They got candles everywhere, man. You know, either they're the the dead saints representing the dead saints up there but ultimately they honor the sun s-u-n the cross okay where are these crosses now we know jesus died on the cross but the cross is a pagan symbol it's the first letter of pammuz we don't wear crosses around our necks jesus was crucified on the cross and we thank god for the finished work of the cross but that symbol goes way back before Jesus ever came into this world. It was the first letter of the letter of Tammuz. Cross and pagan religion worship was a charm against the powers of darkness. Before Jesus ever died. That's the way they used it. It's the initial of the first letter of Tammuz. It was used to identify them with the sun, S-U-N, you with me? So they were seen when they had these symbols as worshipers of the sun. And they believed that it kept away the power of darkness. You, you, you wonder why the spirits hate your pastor? <laughs> Man, they don't like, see, they don't like this being uncovered. But we're going to do it anyway, you know. But I'm, and I'm sure that many of you have gone to churches, not just Catholicism, but many, many liturgical liturgical churches. You go in there and they've got crosses up front and there's a circle around the top of it. And you look at that and you say, man, that's a strange looking cross. What kind of cross is that? Circle on the top. The reason why they put a circle on the top to show you that they're connected with the sun. That their system is sun worship. They worship Tammuz. Who is a reincarnated Nimrod. And that's why they have that circle around the cross. So when I walk. And then not only that. But upon those crosses. You'll see IHS. On those crosses. Isis. Horus. And Seb. Isis. The false goddess, Semiramis, Horus, the sun, and Seb, Nimrod. They'll have it right there on their cross. Okay. And to the pagans, the symbol of the cross was a sign of the false Messiah. It was a sign of the Antichrist. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he destroyed Satan, his kingdom, and his false church. By the finished work, he destroyed it all. That's why we don't run around with crosses around our neck. Because it's a symbol of the false Messiah. It's a symbol of sun worship. The Pope is known as the Pontiff, or the word Pontiff means priest of Baal. He is known as the Pontiff or priest of Baal. He is called Vice God, or God on earth. He claims to be God on earth. He is called the Vicar of Christ. And the word Vicar means substitute to Christ. So he claims to be God on earth, and he claims to be a substitute for Jesus. That's why they call him the vicar of Christ. He is kissed on the feet. And that's exactly what they did to all Babylonian kings. They kissed Babylonian kings on the feet. Jesus said, kiss the son lest he be angry with you. You got to worship the son. If if you don't worship Jesus, he said in Psalm 2, he said he will be angry with you. And so they bow down and they kiss the feet of this Babylonian king or Babylonian priest called the Pope. I want to have a right spirit about this. I love these people. And you love these people. But I'm very strong against this system. Okay? So if you you sense a very strong, deliberate firmness and fieriness about me, it's real because it's a false religion that calls itself Christ. But just so you'll know where I'm coming from here, I don't have a hatred toward the people. I do hate the system. I said I hate the system. But I don't hate the people that are in the system. I, the reason why I'm giving this is so they'll come out of that false thing. Okay, Just so you'll know where I'm coming from here. He wears a two-headed miter-like thing that's split down the middle, and it is the... Literally, the hat of the fish Dagon. So he is a a priest of Dagon, and Dagon's just another name for Nimrod. So y'all ever seen the Pope? He's got that that hat. Looks like a fish. Claims to be a fisher of men. No, he's a worshiper of Dagon. He's got a, a fisherman's ring on his hand, and that ring links him to pagan worship of Dagon or Nimrod. All right? He carries a crooked rod. That crooked rod is also linked to Nimrod. Hello. The Pope forbids the leaders in his system to preach from or or to read the word of the Lord in the common language of the people. Why is that? Because he don't want you to get informed. He doesn't want you to understand hello you ever go to a, a a service where they're reading you can't understand a word man are they speaking in tongues or what you know i can't understand a word they're reading the word they're saying you know they're doing all kinds of stuff with their little thing water throwing water at you and, and i'm going what in the world do you say he don't want you to know what he's saying He speaks in Latin. Kind of reminds me when I used to go to the doctor, I'd get a prescription, you know. The Only few times I've ever been to a doctor. And he'd write that baby out, and I'd look at it and say, what in the world is that, man? I could never figure out what in the world that was. And I found out he wrote in Latin. Well, that's what the priest did. Well, I'm not saying they all do now, but that's the doctor I had did. Number 10, I want to talk to you about non-bloody sacrifice. Okay. When you go and you take a mass, you are taking what they call a non-bloody sacrifice. They believe that that wafer turns into the body and that wine turns into the blood of Jesus, but it's a non-bloody sacrifice that's connected to the woman. Now, why is it non-bloody? Because they want to portray to you just as they always did in the mystery religious cult of Babylon that the mother was more kind than the son that the mother has more compassion than the son does so if you want compassion go to the mother and not the son and let the mother intercede to the son for you because she's a lot easier to get along with than the son So, in connection with her worship is the non-bloody sacrifice. When you take a mass, you are participating and you are, really, you are literally receiving a false god into your mouth. And that false god's name is Bel or Nimrod. You are participating in the worship of Mystery Babylon when you go to mass. Now, notice this. I'm going to just tell you. And I'm going to read some of this out I don't have time to read it all to you. But notice that it's a round wafer. When Jesus took the bread, he broke it. He didn't make it round. Why do they make it round? Because it symbolizes what they worship, and that's the sun. That's why it's round. And on that wafer has the letters IHS upon it. Isis, Horus, and Seb. Those initials are literally placed on that wafer. So that when you take that wafer in, you are taking Isis, Horus, and Seb symbolically into you. And you are involved in the worship of the sun. And that's what they were doing in Jeremiah 44. Offering bread to the queen of heaven and and a. Uh, uh, drink to the queen of heaven they were involved in a mass my friend but see now they called it jesus or they call it the lord's supper but it's not the lord's supper got the initial of pagan deities upon it now keep in mind jezebel brought this in uh she into or mixed that system of religion into the church in the old testament okay time of the kings now watch y'all with me still In regard to the pagan characters of the unbloody sacrifice of the mass, we have seen not little already, but there is something yet to be considered in which the working of the mystery of iniquity will still further appear. There are letters on the wafer that are worth reading. These letters are IHS. What mean these mystical letters? To a Christian, these letters are represented as signifying Jesus um, homonium salvator. Aesos homo homo homonum homo salvator or mean jesus the savior of men but let a roman worshiper of isis for in the age of the emperors there were innumerable worshippers of isis in rome cast his eyes upon them and how will he read them he will read them of course according to his own well-known system of idolatry isis horus and seb that is the mother the child and the father of the gods in their words the Egyptian trinity. He goes on and says, the Egyptian trinity. Are y'all still there? So this non-bloody sacrifice offered, or the mass that was offered to the queen of heaven was called by a Babylonian priest. She was called the mediatrix. Mediator between God and man. But it has nothing to do with the Lord's Supper. The wafer is a symbol of the sun, and the letters upon it literally tell you the false deities that you're worshiping. Okay? Purgatory. And then I'll get in here in Revelation, and I'm going to show you how this fits. Purgatory. And prayer for the dead. Another point. It was taught by the Roman Catholics, but Plato... Who was born 427 bc believed in the doctrine of purgatory okay he taught the doctrine of purgatory now in this system they pray for the dead and they preach the doctrine of purgatory that you can literally bring an indulgence and indulgence by money or whatever and you can bring that person out of a place called purgatory a mediator place between heaven and hell a place of suffering Everybody goes to, even even the Pope goes to purgatory when he dies. Mary, Mother Mother Teresa, when she died, went to purgatory in their doctrine. It doesn't matter what she did in this world, okay? She still went to purgatory, and they still had to pray her out of purgatory. They have prayer for the dead to get them out of purgatory, and they offer indulgences, money, etc., to the Roman Catholic Church to get you out of that place of suffering so you can go to heaven. And doesn't matter what position you are in, you have to be prayed out and be paid for. That's all linked to paganism. It's linked to Baal worship, and Plato was a false person. Plato believed in the doctrine of the Trinity, and he taught, he believed in purgatory. Okay. So those are just a few facts that, that, that prove to you there is a system of religion today that is in churchianity. And throughout these churches, the Lord is warning His church about these false teachings. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans, same thing. The doctrine of Balaam, same thing, okay, that I just read to you about. Uh, Jezebel, now He's talking about Jezebel. Jezebel is the woman who brought in the mixture of false worship, Baal worship, into the worship of God. (laughs) Brought it in to the church, so to speak, okay? So when I look at tire, the word tire literally means continual sacrifice. And so that's what they do when they gather in a, in a church. They believe that when they receive that mass or they participate in that mass, that uh, the sacrifice is taken over and over and over again for them. They're literally taking the body and blood of Jesus. Am I right? Anybody, any Catholics, former Catholics out there? Am I telling the truth tonight? I'm just making this up. It's a continual sacrifice. But remember this, in Acts chapter 16, we had a true church established in Thyatira. A woman by the name of Lydia came into the kingdom of God there in Thyatira. She was a seller of purple. But we see here, this church has been caught up in the paganism or the bell worship that's in that world uh, in that day. Asia Minor is modern day Turkey. That's where these seven churches were located. Okay, now are y'all with me here? My Lord. Now, watch this. He said, These things saith the Son of God. Why does Jesus focus on the fact of his deity to this church? Because he wants you to know that he's God come in the flesh. That he is not a part of any trinity of persons or trinity of gods. That all came from paganism. Jesus is the one God of the Bible. He is the Father and the Son at the same time. 100% man and 100% God at the same time. And the Holy Ghost is none other than the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of God that you receive. You don't receive a third person. You get the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of God Himself. He's God come in the flesh. And to be a follower of the doctrine of the Trinity... Which means you believe that there are three separate persons. You find its foundation in a false Babylonian system. It is not Bible. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God come in the flesh. And the focus is upon his deity. And this system has infiltrated not just Catholicism. But it has infiltrated Protestantism. So that most Protestants today teach a doctrine called the Trinity or a three-headed God. It's linked to Babylonianism. It's not in the Bible. Jesus is the Father coming flesh. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and thou shalt call his name Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Jesus is not just the Son, Jesus is the Everlasting Father. Jesus is not just the Son, Jesus is the Mighty God. So you're looking at a one God preacher today, and I'm not apologizing for it. I don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. I don't believe in three separate persons. I believe that Jesus is the Son and the Father. He's the Mighty God. He's the fullness of the Godhead in body. And so the focus, the emphasis upon to to this church is his deity. He's the mighty God in Christ. And he's not the false messiah. He's the true messiah. He's the true savior of the world. He's the one who brought in the true kingdom of God. And there's a true Christianity that you can be a part of. But you can also be a part of a false Christianity, a false church system, and a false kingdom if you want to be. But I'm here to tell you today, to give you the truth today, to set you free. Because the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. Okay, now watch this. Now watch. He goes on and he says this he said he's got eyes like a flame of fire when jesus comes you know in these situations like this he don't come in here like in this situation as a gentle lamb you know all passive laid back he comes in there with eyes as a flame of fire. He comes in there to look at that sin. He comes in there to uncover the, the false doctrine that's in that church. He comes in. Come on. He's looking as a flame of fire today at all of us. He's looking at the church world today. And he sees what's in it. And all the corruption. And all the paganism. And all the false doctrine that has to the church of the living God. And that's the way he comes. He don't come messing around. He says, I'm going to... I'm going to put your children to death. He comes in there with a sword. He comes in here to kill that kind of thing. He's not this passive, spagnis. Jesus, that so many want to preach today. He's a mighty God. He's a jealous God. Jealous God. Consuming fire. And I want you to know it. Jesus came in this him today is eyes as a flame of fire, it'd blow your mind. Because you only want to see him as the passive little lamb. Man, he comes to do war, he comes to fight, he comes to kill, he comes to remove some stuff. And so he goes on, he says, He says, But to this church though, he does say, he said, I know your works. And your charity, your love. And your service. Amen. I mean, you're yielding to me. You're trying to serve. You're serving something that's higher than you, you know. Uh, and your faith. You, you don't quit. Now, I wonder. I'm not so sure that he's talking about the false people in the church. He's talking to, to the true people in the church. In case you want me to explain that to you. He's talking to true people in the church. People who are working for him. People who are serving him. People who are faithful. Who haven't quit. They're, they just got a I won't quit spirit about him. Nothing gonna take them down. They're gonna be dependable. They're people you can depend upon. They're, yeah, they're faithful to God in his house and his church and his work. And so God comes in and he come, he's got flame of fire in his eyes, but he says, "You know what? I do recognize your love, your charity, your service and your, your faithfulness or your faith. You're dependable. You stayed with it. And then he says, "Not only that, but your perseverance, your endurance. And the only time you ever have to persevere is when you're suffering for Christ. But if you're suffering for him today, that means you've got to persevere. You've got to endure. You've got to overcome that. You can't succumb to that. You can't wave your little white flag to that. You've got to stand up. You've got to to persevere to the end. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. This is not a passive Christianity that is preached in this book. Woo! Woo! And he says this. He said in the first, the last to be more than the first. He said, you really, you started out serving me and you were working for me. He said, but now the works are increasing. You're doing more today than you did before. He said, I knew what you did before by way of service to me. But now your service is greater today than it was at the start. But then he says, I've got something against you. Here's the things that you're doing right. Amen. He said, Notwithstanding I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. There she is. She's the one that brought the paganism into God's worship and called it God. It used to be on the outside of Israel, but it came into Israel in her day. Now Jezebel has come in there, which calleth herself a prophetess. She's a self-called woman. She's not called by God. She's a self-called woman. She's a Jezebel. Hello, somebody. And what is she doing? She calls herself a prophetess. Well, that's linked to Simon Magus. He called himself an apostle. And his his so-called wife called herself a prophetess. So we're still linked to the same thing here. Self-appointed people. To teach and seduce my servants. Her whole purpose is to conquer God's servants. Her whole purpose is to conquer God's prophets. Her, her whole purpose is to bring in lies and heresies and false doctrine and mingle it among the church of the living God. And the church in Thyatira was allowing this woman. Now her name I don't think at birth was Jezebel. But God called her that because she was doing the same thing that Jezebel did. And she had the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel had long died and was gone. Eaten by the dogs, by a violent death. She had long gone. But her spirit, the spirit that controlled her, moved into that woman in the church of Fatah. And that church let her stand up and preach her false doctrine and lies in that congregation. And God stepped in there, Jesus, with a flame of fire in his eyes. And he said, I've got something against you. Because you suffer that woman, which calls her, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to seduce my servants. And to commit fornication, spiritual Immoral, spirit spirit on this and is is the call. Fornication. See, you can fornication against God two ways. Physi- physical fornication by, ha- by having a physical immoral sexual act, or you can commit fornication spiritually by, by turning your back on and becoming faithful to Jesus, Jesus Christ and getting caught up in that false religion. Then you become the same as she was. Now, watch this. Are y'all awake? Now, so it was creeping into the church of Thyatira. And they were letting it in. Now, in case you don't know it, we're living in in an age right now where even oneness churches, Jesus-name churches, and holiness churches are letting things go. They're letting... They want to stand up and preach the truth, many of them, because they're afraid to do so. Okay, when we talk about Jezebel... And we're not just talking about a historical Jezebel in the days of the kings. We're not just talking about a woman that Jesus called Jezebel in the, in the time of this church, in the first century A.D., in modern-day Turkey. But we're also talking about a Jezebel in, you, in between your ears. Because your woman is your soul. Your woman has to become, your woman has to become the bride. She has to be saved. This Jezebel, this woman that's my mind has to be saved. My spirit's already saved. My soul is being saved. My body will be saved. Right now, my woman, because I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to say, okay, my soul is a harlot. My soul is against God. My soul is full of all filthiness and she's committing fornication with the kings of the flesh. And by the way, there's 18 kings of the flesh that the woman loved to commit fornication with. So my woman, my soul loves to commit fornication with the kings of my flesh. 666, 18 kings of the flesh. So every one of us have a king. Of Babylon inside of us. The fallen nature. And every one of us have a Jezebel in us. And that's uh, your soul that needs to be saved. But I'm looking at people who are willing to change. Who are willing to repent. And not walk as a harlot. But become the bride of Jesus Christ. And to overcome that spirit of Jezebel. That woman that's in them. That whore that's in them. And that king of Babylon that wants to fornicate with her. Now that's heavy. So now we're not just talking about Catholicism or Protestantism that has allowed false doctrine to come into church. Now we're talking about us individually. And there's a struggle going on on the inside of every one of you. To either give in to the whore. Your soul fallen that wants to fornicate with the 18 kings of the flesh. There's a struggle going on in all of us including this pastor. In fact, when John saw her riding on the back of that scarlet-colored beast in Revelation 17, he wondered with great admiration. And the angel had to shake him and say, John, why did you wonder? I'll show you the mystery of the harlot that rides upon the scarlet-colored beast. So when you look, it has an appeal. It has an allurement. It has a temptation to you. It makes even preachers wonder with great admiration. And then God has to come and give you his divine perspective and shake you out of that. So there has to be a continual change of mind in all of us about what we are yielding ourselves to. We want to stay in covenant with, with the Lord God. Hallelujah. Walk with Jesus. Let him be the husband in our life. And we the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ Do you understand and so he said to that Jezebel you know and and, and I'm gonna tell you I, I took a lot of time today I took 30 minutes just reading you scriptures you know who I did that for you not for me I could get up here and I could just preach it to you but I want you to know it's in the Bible okay and I want you to know where to go to where to find it So I'm going to be in a time pinch right now. I'm just telling you that because I love you enough to show you it's in the Bible. But God gave her space to repent. We said, you won't repent, so I'm going to throw you in a bed of plagues and affliction. Now watch this. He goes on and he says this. And them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Which lets me know that the churches that the Lord's writing to. Are going to be in the tribulation. Now if you're pre-trib. You will teach that the false church is the only one that goes into the tribulation period. That the Jezebel system is the only thing that goes into the great tribulation. If you're pre-trib. Okay I know because I used to believe that. But I'm going to prove to you by the word of God that even the overcomer is going to be in it. That it's not just the false harlot that's gonna go there, but it's the faithful bride of Christ. And that's why you better get a hold of what I'm preaching. And that's why I'm so firm and so fired up about this, because you're gonna to have to overcome this in your own personal life. If it's not the false doctrine, many of you got that together now. You, you know, you're not gonna be messed up when somebody tries to put the Trinity down your throat or, or you know, this false pagan Baalism that's crept in there. You're not gonna be overcome by that, most of you. But where it is going to take place, the battle, is that spiritual battle over Jezebel. Yeah. That whore that's in your mind that wants to fornicate with your flesh. That's the battle you're going to have to overcome. Every one of us. Learn to walk in submission and in covenant to God. Now watch. He said, I'm going to cast you in a bed and then they commit adultery with you. That means anybody that's, that has a relationship with you. He said, I'm going to throw them in the great tribulation too. Did you, did you see that great tribulation there? That's the last three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week. And he said, you're going to be in there. That's what he said to this, these people who follow her system, right? Except they repent of their deeds. There's some people here who need to repent. You need to, you need to ask God to forgive you for ever being a part of that system. If you've got Catholicism in your background, you need to ask God to forgive you for all that stuff you used to be a part of. You need to put that under the blood of Jesus. You need to get baptized in His name get filled with the Holy Ghost. And start telling people the truth. Now watch. He said, I will kill her children with death. She's got offspring. She's a mother of harlots. She's got offspring. Do you know the Catholic Church will tell anybody and has stated it publicly and in documentation? That anybody that still preaches the doctrine of the Trinity in Protestantism is nothing more than a separated brother? They will tell you that. You're nothing more than a separated brother. That's documenting. So she's got offspring. She's got children. And God said, I'm going to cast them all into the tribulation period. Now, watch this. Watch. You see this woman here? Isn't it interesting that Jesus, in Matthew 13, gives you the parable of a woman? The fourth kingdom parable is related to the fourth church. And the fourth kingdom parable, Jesus gives us a parable of a woman who hides leaven in the meal. And she hides leaven in three measures of meal. So she corrupts something that's connected to three. And the meal, we know, the meal is the pure word of God. We know that also the meal is the people of God. So this harlot, this woman, has crept into the church and she sowed her leaven. She put her leaven in the dough to destroy the truth of the meal. She brought in the doctrine of the Trinity and corrupted the truth of the oneness of God. And that's why we see her, the woman in Matthew 13, connected with the woman in this church here in Revelation. Put leaven in the meal. Give God some praise. And so, what does leaven do? Leaven corrupts. And pretty soon, it will permeate the whole dough of bread. It'll infiltrate that thing until it dominates and controls everything about it. And so, that's why the Lord gave the fourth pair. He said, You know, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman which went and hid. Leaven and three measures of meal. Say meal. Which is very interesting to me. Because when you talk about the fourth parable over this fourth church and you've got a woman seen in both of them corrupting the church. What is very interesting to me is that Revelation 2 and 3 is where the first feast lays over. And the first feast lays over Revelation 2 and 3 that lays over this Passover and unleavened bread. And the Lord's walking in the midst of his church to get rid of the leaven out of the house. He's getting rid of the false doctrine out of the house. And that's found in Deuteronomy 16, 16. I read it to you. The feast of unleavened bread. And do you know how they got rid of the unleavened bread? They went through their house and threw out the big loaves first. They got rid of the big sin first. And after they got rid of the big sin first, then they took a wood spoon with a feather and the candle. And they went through their house with a wood spoon, a candle, and a feather. And they would sweep into the wood spoon any leaven that they found. Come on, somebody. And they found the, the leaven by a light called candlelight. And heaven got rid of the leaven. Come on, somebody. That's the way they got rid of it. Now, let me explain to you the symbolism there. Jesus is the light of the wor- world. He's the candlestick. He's the true light. He's the true light that that candle represented in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He's the true light. His word is the light. The wood spoon represents the wood cross that he hung upon to remove the leaven and to remove the sin. So that woman can try to, she's trying to put it back in there. But the Lord has already removed it by the finished word of the cross when he was nailed to the tree, the wood tree. So he is the light. He is the one who was crucified to the wood. And the feather that they sweep the living in, the feather is a type of the Holy Ghost, which you and I have. And they would take the wood spoon and the the candle and they would take the uh, feather and they would wrap it up in a linen wrap and cast it out. You know what? That's exactly what they did with Jesus. They cast him without the gate. He wasn't. Come on. He wasn't accepted in the religious world of his day. He went without the gate and was nailed to a cross and became a curse for us so he could remove the leaven. But the woman's trying to bring it back in. But Jesus defeated it on the cross by the finished work. By the finished work, the woman that I'm carrying inside of me can be set free. The leaven that's inside of me can be removed by the word, by the work of the cross, and by the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. And it's also very interesting to me that Jesus promises the overcomer. He says, I will, come on. He says, uh, uh, he promises the, the, the morning star. And that's connected to the heavens and isn't it interesting that the fourth day is when god talks about two great lights one to rule the day and one to rule the night and if you look at song of solomon chapter six you'll find out that uh, the bride is likened to light that Oh yeah, she's the moon that shines in the night season. In Malachi 4, Jesus is called the true S-U-C, S-U-N. He's the true son of righteousness. And his bride is the moon shining in its strength. In Song of Solomon 6. And isn't it interesting we have there in the fourth day, we have the reference to the true great lights. One to rule by day and one to rule by night. Give God some praise. And that it's by the finished work of the cross that Jesus defeated earthly rulers. He said he placed them in the heavens to rule. Come on, somebody. But when Jesus died, the sun went out. The sun was darkened at noontime by the work of the cross. So the Lord is doing a decreation of the fall of man. So he can bring in a new creation, people. And I'm looking at you today. And he said, I'm going to give to those that overcome. He said, I'm going to give you a, what? A morning star. You're going to be like the morning star to me. You're going to be like Venus, hallelujah, to me. Not that false woman, Venus. But the true bride of Christ. And I'm gonna to talk to you about that in just a minute. I'm just trying to show you a little bit here how it parallels. But when Jesus went on the cross, the lights went out. And the sun, the moon, and the stars, in a natural sense, in prophecy, depict to you earthly rulers. And it also depicts to you the nation of Israel. Genesis, the Bible says that Joseph had a dream. And he saw his brothers bowing down to him. And he saw his daddy bowing down to him. His mother bowing down to him in a dream. Come on. And they are called the stars and the sun and the moon. That's Israel. And in Acts chapter 2, in connection with the finished work of the cross, when the sun was darkened in noonday, you know what the Lord is trying to show you? He said, blood, fire, breaker, smoke. He said, the moon, uh, The moon shall be turned to blood. Are you with me? Remember that story? That happened at the cross. What Jesus did right there was he defeated all the paganism that was in Israel. Now watch this. The lights went out for for natural Israel. And the lights went out for natural gentile nations. The lights went out. Earthly rulers went out that day. He's the true king. He's the true son. He brought in a church. He brought in the true moon. Come on somebody. So he's doing a decreation so that you can be seen, really, so that he can be seen through you. He's a true son. Malachi 4, the Song of Solomon says, You're a moon. Hallelujah. You're an army. You're like an army of God. Okay, y'all with me to this point? Okay, just in case I don't get back to that. And then going back to the Old Testament history. We already showed you that this thigh-tower church is laid over in the king's age. It's laid over in the kingdom time. So its focus is kingdom time. That's where we are. Are you all awake now? So let me finish this, baby, out for you. You know, I'm limited. Hallelujah. I'm limited. I can't preach ten hours to you. But are you getting anything out of this? All right, so notice what he says. He says, watch. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins of hearts. Look at this. Jesus said, when I walk in the midst of her, he said, I'm going to cast her into the bed and all those that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. He said, I'm going to kill her children with death, and all the churches are going to know. Watch. Get this. Are you all seeing that? And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Every church knows what's going to happen to every church. How can we know that? By looking at the deeds and doctrines of every church. You can know what's going to happen to every church. That's what he just said. Every church is going to know. You can look at my life. And you can know what's going to happen to this preacher. I can look at your life and I can know what's going to happen to you. How? By your deeds. And if you're associated with this Jezebel, what's going to happen to her is going to happen to you. If you're overcome by her spirit, what's going to happen to her is going to happen to you. Did you see that? Well, you're not supposed to judge me. The Lord clearly says that all the churches are going to know that I am he which travel reigns. So every church, all these churches of Asia Minor of old in modern day Turkey and the churches of this last day that he's talking to right here, which is us, are going to know what kind of church you're surrounded by and what kind of people you're surrounded by and the way you're going to know this by the deeds, by their lifestyle and by their action and you can know where they stand, saith God. And she tries to cover it up. She tries to act like everything's okay. But the Holy Ghost uncovers it. And if you think you're going to be popular, there's going to be a war, man. I'm telling you, it's already, the stage is already set for great war. And I'm not talking about with the world out there. I'm talking about within the church itself. Because God comes to fight those spirits. Are you getting this? If you don't believe me, read these churches. To the church of Smyrna, he said, persecution. So if you're like Smyrna, get ready for persecution. To the church of Philadelphia, protection for faithfulness. If you're the church of Philadelphia, you know what's going to happen to you. Protection for faithfulness. If you're Sardis, if you're Thyatira, If you're Pergamos, if you're Laodicea, to every one of those churches, he says, death. So you can literally determine the direction you're going and what's going to happen to you by these churches. If I follow like the church of Smyrna and persecuted, you know, if I do what they do, I'll be persecuted. If I'm like Philadelphia, I'll be protected. But if I'm like any of those other churches those other five churches, I will be killed. I will die. I will not make it. And I know you think that I'm, you know, I look like maybe some Blair-eyed John the Baptist preaching at you. But I'm telling you, friend, when you get there, when you get in there, if we are in that generation that's going to see the great tribulation period, when you get in there, you're going to find out what true fighting's is all about. You're you, reality check, honey. Reality check is coming your way. And reality check is coming my way. And I thank God because I pastor a lot of awesome people here. And I can look at their life. And I know they're going to make it. But there's other people I know, man. They got, the, they got all kinds of spirits they're dealing with. All kinds of stuff in their mind. Their flesh is dominating, controlling them. They're backslid sitting on a pew, man. And I can tell you by the word of God what's going to happen to you. And that's why God told me to call a local pastor here in this town. And he told me, you tell that man to get into those seven churches of Revelation. And you read those seven churches of Revelation. Because I, I know exactly what's going to happen to every church in Odessa, Texas. But really, that's not my ultimate focus. My focus is you. I'm concerned about you. Because when it comes down, it gonna come down, honey. God's gonna let it happen. He's gonna let it be seen. Watch. And we got all this stuff. You judging me, Pastor, honey. And all the churches shall know all of them. I'm not gonna do this just secretly. He said, all the churches are going to know. I am here that search at the reins of the hearts. I'm looking on the heart. I'm not looking about that counterfeit, that cover-up that she walks around in. I'm looking at your heart, man. I know what's going on in the flesh. I know what's going on in your spirit. You can act like everything's okay. You, you can get in denial all you want to. But God said, I'm looking at your heart, and I know right where you are. And what's interesting to me, he's already rebuked the pastor or the messenger of this church for allowing Jezebel to come in and take over. He's already rebuked him. But then he starts talking to the assembly itself. That's heavy. When he completely steps aside of that set man and addresses the congregation itself. Because most of the time he speaks directly to the set man and that set man then delivers the message to the church. But in this particular church, he rebukes the set man and comes to the house and says, this is what you're looking for and everybody's going to know where you stand. Because I'm fixing to uncover the whole mess. Listen to me, church, and I'm almost through here. I'm not going to get into names here, but there is a man that is respected by many to be an apostle in the earth today. He got a call from a pastor who had been pastoring for 13 years. And this pastor called this apostle up and said, this is going on in my church. He said, I can't believe it. For 13 years, our church has been almost, you know, just unscathed with with any kind of problems. Like everything was okay, you know, for 13 years. He said, but just now things are beginning to be uncovered, and serpents are beginning to come out, and people's spirits are beginning to be manifest. And that apostle told this man, he said, you're getting ready for a move of God in your house, because God comes in there and uncovers hidden devils that are hiding underneath rocks. He said, that church has never one time given me any problems. He said, now I've got problems. And that apostle said, you know what God's doing? He's uncovering the serpents that are underneath the rocks. And you're looking at a pastor that's made up his mind, honey. You're looking at a pastor that's got a fire burning on the inside of me. And when God starts uncovering those serpents and those spirits that are in his house, I'm ready for it. I'm not backing down from any of it because I don't want God to bypass me and have to come in here and speak directly to you. When I have a responsibility to stand up and declare the truth of God's word, I don't want him rebuking me, correcting me or bypassing me. But if he's got to, he'll do it. Give God some praise. Say all the churches are going to know it. Some are going to be persecuted. Some are going to be protected. And some are going to die. And that's to the church. He warns the church first. Are you all awake? And he says this. He says, uh, I will give every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in thy as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of satan as they speak i will put upon you no other burden So you got enough battle he said i'm not gonna put nothing else on you he said this though he said but that which you have already hold fast till i echo till i come he said you don't let what you got go he said you hold fast you endure till I heckle, till I come. And the word heckle literally means to have arrived. This is connected with his second coming that's post-tribulational. And guess what? He said that to the faithful. He said, hold fast till I have arrived. So he didn't just tell the church, see, I'm starting to see things I've never seen before because I want to see it. He didn't just tell the Jezebel church system she was going to be cast into the bed and great tribulation and those that are committing adultery. He said to the church that is faithful, he said, hold fast till I have arrived. And that heckle, that word heckle is the strongest word that's connected with this parousia, his coming. That means he's already arrived. So it takes you all the way. This church takes you all the way. Unfaithful and unfaithful believers, true believers and... And non true believers in the tribulation period. And he shows you they're there all the way to his heko or heko having arrived. So, this is not just to the historical church in John's day, this is to you, the church that will see his echo, his coming post tribulation. Did you see that? Both groups are there. And that's why I'm telling you, if we are the generation that will see the seven-year tribulation period come, followed by the day of the Lord, the time of the end is the day of the Lord. If we are that generation, these letters are going to become more and more important to you as we go. I'm telling you. See, sometimes we don't think we, it's like the manual, you know, we got in our cars. You know, we throw it in the glove box because we don't need it. But I guarantee you, when lights start flashing, and you got all kinds of problems going on, what the world? Get that manual, man. Get the manual. We got to read what's happening here. You know, I guarantee you, if you find yourself in that time, you'll be looking for this book, and you'll be trying to remember everything this preacher told you. Cause then you'll know the spirits you're going to have to overcome. You're going to understand the persecution that's coming your way. You're going to understand false brethren in your midst. And that's the age we're in right now. When God's going to shake everything that can be shaken. He's going to uncover the serpents in the house. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. <laughs> and I say, I'm not, I'm not ultimately ready. But God has been preparing us for a long time, okay, to deal with a lot of stuff. And I got fire inside of me, man. I'm just telling you. You don't really need fire unless something needs to be consumed. And what's going to be consumed is the flesh. There has to be a dying. There has to be a dying to your flesh. You have to, I have to willing to die to my flesh what's interesting here is that the Lord says you know I know your works your charity your love you walk in love you got your attitudes right your spirits right but you have let stuff come in that's not right you've been flirting you've been involved in fornication with the world the devil and the flesh Jezebel if you don't repent I'm throwing all of you in the tribulation. I'm going to kill all of our children. But if you repent, watch this. He's an awesome God. Is everybody okay up there? Mm. Mm. This is heavy stuff, isn't it? Mm. He goes on, he says this. Yeah, yeah, hold fast, 25, but that which that, that you have already, hold fast till I heckle, till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. The end of what? Well, if you go back to Matthew 24, the end of the age. And the end of the age is the day of the Lord, which is after the seven-year tribulation period. We already studied that. So you've got to be faithful right up to the time of the day of the Lord. He said, if you'll be faithful right up to the time of the end, to him will I... Give power over the nations. I'm going to set you to rule in the kingdom age. He takes this church all the way through the tribulation period. All the way to the time of the day of the Lord. And so I'm going to set you up to rule in the kingdom age. You with me? Power over the nations. In case you don't know this, let me just give you a little theology course. The time that the church reigns over the nations is the kingdom age. When the rapture takes place, if it were pre-trib, you don't rule over nations at that time. If the rapture takes place post-tribulational, which I believe is going to be the case. When the rapture takes place, that's not when you start reigning. You start reigning over nations in the kingdom age. So he's taking this church all the way through the great tribulation period to the time of the kingdom age, and he says, to only those that are overcomers will you rule over the nations. And that only happens in the kingdom age. Now, in a spiritual sense, it's for us today, but I'm talking about in the ultimate sense. i trying to show you something here, something maybe you've never seen before in your life. And that's that you are being talked to in this chapter. 1 and 2. Chapter 2 and 3. Now watch this. He says, He that overcometh and keepeth my works, and the end of him will I give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. Takes you back to Genesis 1, 14 through 16. I set the two lights in the heavens, one to rule by day and one to rule by night. The greater light to rule by the day, that's Jesus. The lesser light to rule by night, that's the church. To what? To rule. Connected with rulership. Authority. See, you you already have been given dominion, but now you have to walk and learn how to walk in authority. Now I already have dominion. Now I'm learning to walk in authority. Authority. What's this. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, the end of the age. To him, that's what I believe, to the end of the age. To him will I give power over the nations. You have an end of the Old Testament age, when Jesus brought in a new age, when he came the first time. You have an end of this present age, the church age. Are you with me here? When he, and then followed by the kingdom age. So you have different ages that are in the Bible. And you can preach both of them, but I'm just, I'm going to stay here in the ultimate sense. The end of the age. This one. Going into the kingdom age, and he that overcometh, the keep my words to the end. To him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. I will give him the morning star, which also takes you back to Genesis, the fourth day. And I'm I'm closing. Hallelujah! I've already been too long. What is the morning star? Well, if you preach it from a pre-tribulation rapture viewpoint, you would say that he will come as the morning star before he comes as the son of righteousness to bring in the new day, the kingdom age, if you're pre-trib. Because the the bright morning star is Venus, and it appears just before sunrise. So you have him coming as the bright morning star to rapture us out. And then if you're pre-trib, it's seven years later and then he comes as the son of righteousness with healing in his rays to set up the kingdom age that's pre-trip viewpoint I know it because I used to preach it I know it very well but again timing you have to look at timing is this passage telling me that it's seven years in between <laughs> that he's going to come as the morning star and then as the son of righteousness and there's a seven year gap that the passage doesn't teach you that That's what we read into it. And in case you know what the morning star is, the morning star is Venus. Venus is called by the ancients the bride. You have a contrast. The woman of whoredoms, Jezebel and the bride of Christ here in this passage. He said, you will be my bride. You will be my lady. And guess what she's, she is seen in the constellations? The Venus, her house is Taurus. And Taurus has the seven daughters, the Pleiades, in its constellation, in its house. And Venus, her house is Taurus with the Pleiades, the seven daughters. And she's seen kneeling before, come on, seen kneeling before Taurus, her house, and the seven daughters before her, the seven churches. You know who they are? The people out of those seven churches in Revelation that overcame. And here she's seen with the seven daughters just before her. Okay? And she's kneeling down. This is Venus and she's called the bright. And when she's called the morning star, she is representing she is seen represented as in glory just before the appearing Of the Lord and not only she kneeling before the her house Taurus with the seven daughters in front of her she's naked in need of clothing she can't clothe herself she has to be clothed by him and and just above her head upon her head there's four dolphins and the four dolphins speak of ascendancy it speaks of resurrection life And so we see this woman who's kneeled down to her master, her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the bride of Jesus Christ, now having been unclothed, now clothed, now being raised up to sit upon the throne of his glory with him. And and she's right before the seven daughters of the king. So I'm going to tell you something right now, every one of you, every one of you, every one of you, better get a hold of it. Every one of you, I'm looking you in the eyes. Every one of you better get a hold of it. Because the flesh ain't hanging around this house. Because we're not putting up with it. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you right now. I'm just telling you. Because Jesus is raising up a church in these last days. And it's not people who want to play games. It's people who overcome. And when I say we got to get a hold of it, I'm telling you right now, you got to overcome the whore that's in you, and you got to overcome the flesh that wants to commit fornication with her. If you don't, you will not be the one who is the bright morning star. You will die the death of the other five churches. And I love you, and I'm bold, and I'm just going to tell you the way it is, because that's, that's the way it is. There ain't nothing flowery in that chapter. <laughs> He shows you what you got to deal with. He shows you what you got to overcome. He says, do it. He don't say, I'm going to come in here and do it for you. He says, you do it. And if you will, do it. If you'll overcome. He said, these are the awesome promises. And all of us have a nevertheless inside of us. But Jesus is to us everything we need to defeat those spirits in the house that stand. Lord Jesus, I praise you, and I worship you right now, and I give you the glory and the honor. And I pray, oh God, that this message would go forth, not just to this house, but other houses, God. And Father, that the Word of God would literally shake your church into reality. And God, I pray that your Holy Ghost, your Holy Spirit, would move in this congregation, Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Kill the captains, the kings of the flesh. Destroy them by the power of your word and your spirit. By the finished work of the cross. By the blood of Jesus. I don't want to be just a professor. But I want to walk in the truth of your holy word. If I've got to walk by myself, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you've got to stand by yourself, would you do it? Would you do it? You can turn the cameras off. I mean, you already have. I'm going to just tell you this. I talked to that pastor on the phone. I said, let me tell you something. I said, Antipas means he stood by himself. and he was told by rome that the whole world is against you and antipas looked at them and said that i am against the whole world and they took him and they put him in a brass bowl and roasted him alive and if any of you think that there's anything funny about this stuff you need to wake up there's nothing light about this there's nothing funny about it This is very, very serious. When you got people that died, that had to stand by themselves against these doctrines that I'm talking about, not walk up there and give them a kiss, say, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're okay, I'm okay. Friend, because they stood against these false doctrines, these people died. No games, no fun you put yourself in their, in their place, some of them in a jail cell, waiting to be martyred. There's one or two things that's happening. Either they are in great, great struggle of mind. Can you imagine? They're fixing to go die. Or they've got the awesome peace of God with them. And probably both. Probably both. But there's nothing funny about it. And I'm telling this church this morning, according to the word of the Lord, you will see, if you're the age, you will see the great tribulation period. And many of you, possibly myself, will be persecuted to death for it, for our faith. I wish I could get up here and give you a psychological message. I'm just telling you, that's where we are. And it's intensifying. The warfare is getting more and more intense. The lines are being drawn. And the Lord's drawing the lines. So there's coming a day when you're going to know what your family member believes. Listen to me. Y'all tired of listening to me flap my jaws? 1230. Can I tell you something? There's a lot of people who have been nothing but just tellers and not believers. Tellers but not Believers tolders but not believers but there's coming a day when God's going to draw the line and all the tellers who weren't believers are going to die they're not going to make it and only true believers are going to rise up and God's going to make it known you're going to know where people stand because not everybody's just going to be able to go through this cover deal this incognito thing they got going on now and this denial thing they got going on now and act like everything's okay, and I don't need to repent, and I don't need to get right over anything. All that stuff, the Lord's going to come and just, he's he going to take it all away. And I ask you as a church to pray for me. Because I'm in this. I'm in this. this. This word, I'm in this word. This word is in me, okay? You're hearing what I'm preaching, but I'm living it. I'm living it. Okay? So it's not easy for me. To get up there and it's not fun for me and i'm not happy right now it's a very serious thing i'm, I'm in it it's in me i'm in it do you understand are you are you fighting the good fight of faith are you struggling against sin are you overcoming demon powers of this present age are you like daniel Conquering the prince of Persia and Greece? Are you overcoming the stars of darkness? I'm talking about fallen stars. Are you conquering them? Are they afraid of you? Or have you jumped in the bed with them? Are you like Jezebel, committing adultery with spirits? who know you have a price they know you got a price they know I'm not talking to all of you hear me they know I've got a price if I've got a price they know what they have to pay to me to commit harlotry and fornication against my God and they want me to lay down in bed with them at night they want me to betray my Jesus at night it's real, man. Real fight. Real warfare. It's real, and it's after you. And it's after me. And it wants to take you to hell, brother Randall. You need to shake yourself, my brother. You need to listen to the word of the Lord. You need to get in here and get faithful to God. I love you, and I, or I wouldn't talk to you. This is real, my brother. This is real. This is more real than any gang fight you've ever been in, man. It's real, and Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, man. Get in here. Get in here. Will you pray for me? <laughs> yeah, we're going to see. It's fixing to house. I'm telling you right now. It's, it, it, when Jesus comes in here, like he's talking about coming in the church of Thyatira, when he comes in here, it's going to blow your mind who, who, <laughs> who, uh, who he uncovers in this house. It'll shock you. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. His fan is in his hand. He's already begun to do it. He's already fanning the flames. I'm just telling you, man. He's already begun to do it. He's coming here to consume everything in me and you that is not like Jesus. He has eyes as a flame of fire. But I'm glad he loves me. Because I couldn't handle it. If he came in to destroy me. I'd be dead in a moment. But he's come in here to take out of me everything that's not like him. And he's doing that because he loves me. And because he loves you. With an unspeakable love. You'll never know how much he loves you. He loves you so much, he's not willing to let Jezebel take you over. He loves you so much, he's not willing for you to perish and die. He loves you so much, he'll kill everything that's not like him in you. That's how much, that, if you want to know how much he loves you. He'll send you to your Patmos, the place of your dying. So that you can get a fresh revelation of Jesus. And you can't get a fresh revelation of Jesus if you're still alive to yourself. Will you pray for me? Because I'm walking in a place right now where I'm having a hard time hearing from God. And I have not been like that before. Most of the time, I'm, I'm very quick to hear from the Lord. I know exactly the next step to take, the next message to preach. I'm having a very difficult time hearing from God right now. I need you to pray. And I know what the problem is. I can't hear from God like I'm supposed to hear from God if I'm not willing to die. If I'm not willing to sit in a cave on the Isle of Patmos and die to myself. I'm struggling with myself right now. Just like some of you are, okay? So I need you to pray for me. Because until I'm willing to die, I can't get any further revelation from God. And I know that's the problem. I'm struggling with my flesh just like you do. And that horror, that horror that's in my mouth right up here. And I guarantee you one thing. I'm going to obey the word of the Lord. And I'm going to overcome Jezebel. And I'm going to overcome the king of Babylon in my life. And I'm going to hear from God. Okay. I know that. But what about you? When's the last time you got a word from God? How I many you got a word from God this past week? You knew it was God. He came and he spoke to you a word. And you knew it was God. Lift your hand. this past week, you got a word from God. You heard from God. You heard his voice. A month. I mean, it's been a month. You you know, within a month, you know you've heard from God. You got a word from God. Been a month. The Bible says this, my sheep know my voice. So if I'm not hearing him, am I his sheep right now? Because his sheep knows his voice, and a stranger they will not hear. And I love you. I love you guys. And you know what? I think a lot of y'all really have a problem when other people preach to you. You don't need to have a problem, you know. Because you know, you look at me as the pastor, and you're worried maybe somebody gonna come in here and I'm gonna go somewhere or whatever, you know, and leave them in charge. Get that out of your head. Man, I, I'm not going anywhere. If, if God, if God takes me, I, I have to. But you know, I just don't. I don't. I don't know. Just haven't heard that. When people come in here and preach to you, get in there, get behind it, receive that word, man. That's from God. You got people trying to come in here to help you, not take my place, or even yours. So stop being stupid. Because you get that attitude i'll take you out anyway i'll set you on a pew if you got that spirit anyway so you'll lose your place whether you you know you like it or not praise the lord but why am i saying this <laughs> brother mike gray and his wife are not coming here to take my place i haven't called them on the phone and said i'm out of there in a year i need you i need to mentor you get you ready to be the pastor of that church if you're thinking that, you, you just, you listen to the spirits, man. You listen to devils. You know, and if you think they come to take your place, you better get yourself in a prayer or fasting time. You better start praying and fasting for about a week or two till you get over your flesh. Because if you don't, I'll help you get over your flesh. Amen. See, God's setting something up here, isn't he? He's setting something up here. It's going to be really awesome. But he's got to get some stuff out of the way first, you know. Got to, got to lift up that rock, find that serpent underneath there, and crush him. Watch him wiggle, you know. Just see him wiggling out the side of my foot. Y'all see him? He just, he don't want to die. But we're going to leave our heel on him until he does, man. You think we, listen, you think we're going to lift the heel when he's still got a little life in him? A little life is all he needs. he latch latch onto you, man. Pooh, gotcha, you you're dead then. Well, while we got him wiggling, we're going to hold him down. We're not going to let up the pressure, man. If you're praying for God, oh God, please lift the pressure. No, they ain't letting up no pressure, man. We're going to push down harder. They only knew where I was. I'm about ready to go. Okay, we're going to put some more pressure on you till you do go. I mean, I've been down that road before. Not worried about that. I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're King Tut. Love you, but see you. Keep on. Feel the Holy Ghost say, Keep putting pressure, man. Keep putting pressure. They got to go through that sifting process. So that pure meal will come forth. Sister, how many times they sift that wheat, that pure. Thirteen times, man, they sifted that wheat. It, isn't that amazing? And that's the meal, right? And that's the offering of one of the, of the heath offering. The meal offering. The meal offering was so unleavened. There you go. Unleavened bread. Yeah, it'll stick to your hand. Okay? So, that's why the pressure has to continue to be on us. Because we have to keep going through the sieve. What do you call it? Sieve? The sifting process. Until we're so fine and nothing hangs on to us. No flesh. No flesh. See, I heard the Holy Ghost... Heard the Holy Ghost. That's why I ask you how many times they sent it through that process. Because it's not just once or twice or three times or four times. Thirteen times. Making sure that 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 meal is fine. Go ahead, Jesus. Go ahead. I want to be the pure meal. Pure flour. Praise God. I hope I'm on the 13th one, though, don't you? I really do. I hope I'm on the 13th one, not the first one. You know, I'm thinking I'm doing, you know, I'm really hurting right now. I'm just really hurting and suffering. And find out it's only the first, you know, sift. Lord, have mercy. I'm praying I'm the 13th one right now. Give me a word, God. Tell me that I've already been through all the sifting I have to go through. No, I hear him say, you're not. <laughs> the second one. Where, where y'all think I am? What, what sift number am I? Am I maybe three, four? <laughs> oh, two digit. Oh, maybe le- 10 or 11, something like that. That makes me feel good, man. <laughs> Praise God. How many of y'all think about number two? Number three? Oh, oh listen, now I'm talking in number ones and number twos. <laughs> well, when you're number one and number two, you get rid of that, you know, stuff. Right? I told my wife the other day, stop dumping manure on me. <laughs> stop dumping manure on me, man. I don't need no more manure. Just stop dumping it on me. Hallelujah. I was supposed, that was supposed to be number one, number two. I'm supposed to be number 10 or 11, according to sister, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. See, my wife back, are you back there? Yeah, my wife. See, I'm not talking behind her back. She's right there looking at me. Yeah, she's swimming in it, so she's got to throw it back over to me, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. We we in it together. We in deep stuff together, man. She's coming over there and trying to throw it some off on me, you know. I said, "No, man, keep your manure." Hallelujah. Oh, none of your manure. Praise God, man. Oh, God's good, isn't He? How many of y'all love Him? How many of y'all looking for another church? Looking for another church. Come visit me after church. I'll give you a letter. (laughs) I'm not worried about it. I care less. It's God's kingdom. You can go do better somewhere else. Please do. (laughs) No, I'm going to say, here's their name. (laughs) And they are released. (laughs) Sign my name and say, praise the Lord. Do what you can with them. (laughs) Yeah, oh, that's a good one too, sister. Enter at your own risk. I should, maybe we should put it, "Accept it, them at your own risk." <laughs> I don't know. I don't write like that. I don't write like they are a problem. I let that pastor. Hey, if he's got God, he'll find out in a day or two anyway. <laughs> he don't need no letter from me explaining all their problems. You know, he'll find out in a day or two. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Oh, well, hallelujah, y'all come back if you, if you can tonight, I know I pretty much just squished you like a bug this morning, but if you can come back, come back, hallelujah, and uh, we'll, maybe we'll hear from God between now and this evening, will y'all pray for me that I can hear from the Lord, <laughs> praise God, Brother Bloss the other day, I told y'all, you know, Sunday morning, I said, Brother, Mike's going to be preaching for y'all Sunday night, and He's just going to really bless you and kiss you and love you. And and, uh, before church, Brother Bloss walking behind me, or he was after church, he said, boy, I can't wait for Brother Mike to come preach. (laughs) I told him, I said, I can't either, man. (laughs) I need it as bad as y'all do, man. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, God bless y'all. We'll see y'all tonight. Love y'all. Y'all have a good day, okay? Amen.